0: So God uh, kind of makes sure that he uses Paul to write this letter to the Corinthians. And he says, this whole thing of gifts is based on one simple principle. And that's how he takes uh, chapter 13 into chapter 14 where he says, follow the way of. Now that is a poor effort at a very important word. Follow the way of. Love. He is trying to put deep into the foundations of a church that are seeing God do all kinds of crazy stuff, that the way that you are meant to live out the gifts are through love. It's a waste of time, he says. It's like a resounding gong. It's like a clanging cymbal. You could see mountains moved. You could see people speaking in the tongues of angels. But if there's no love, if this thing isn't done to edify the body, to strengthen each other, it's a good old-fashioned waste of time. But here's the kicker. Here's the challenge for us. I don't know what your background is when it comes to this kind of topic when it comes to spiritual gifts and maybe the gift of prophecy because you've got a bit of an awkward verse here if you're kind of going i don't know about gifts i don't know about this whole thing of prophecy what you know i, I just i'm not sure i'm not sure i'm comfortable paul writes and he says follow the way of love and then he says and eagerly desire gifts of the spirit especially prophecy last week we looked at scripture And scripture is God's uh, word that he's given to us that we need to read and interpret and understand. This is a pretty clear piece of scripture that says, hey, if you're a follower of Jesus, here's something you need to do. Eagerly desire the gifts and especially prophecy. Wow. So what do we do with that? Well, we look at it. We study it. We examine it until hopefully we understand it because it's, part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus is to read texts like this and to say, how do we live this out? Now, where I'm going to land today is that I really do genuinely believe that the gifts of the Spirit are still very much alive and active today. I believe that I'm the recipient of some prophetic words whereby I am standing here today because people encouraged me with gifts from the Spirit, with prophetic words that helped me to feel the courage and the confidence to be able to pursue what God was calling me to. You imagine a guy who is 22 years old feeling quite unconfident about what it means to uh, lead, to speak. I used to be uh, in grade 10. I couldn't sleep uh, most nights. I, I cannot forget it when I had an oral the next morning, I was terrified. In South African language, I was poop scared to do anything public. Terrified. And I would lie in bed at night going, I don't want to present that that geography oral. I don't want to do my mandolin. I just can't bear the thought and I'd lie there and then I would be terrified and I'd stutter up in the front. And so when I started following Jesus and suddenly something starts welling up inside of me that maybe I'm going to lead people and and speak to groups in public that could help them to find and follow and enjoy Jesus, I found myself going, big old-fashioned, no, thank you, Jesus. I'm not up for that. Have you seen how I grew up? Until one or two people come into my life and they go, I've been praying for you, and I can just sense there's a gift of leadership on your life. I can just see that you're called to preach the gospel to people, (sighs) So now I'm going, I feel that, I hear that, and now you're giving me the confidence to push through my past fears. That is powerful. Suddenly life is starting to flow where it ought to flow. This gift that somebody has been given to bring a word of life to me is starting to give me the confidence to do what I know I should be doing but don't have the confidence in myself to just muster up the courage. But somebody comes and breathes a word of life over me. think of John chapter 1. Look at this lovely passage. In the beginning, this is talking about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. This is talking about Jesus. This is the capital W Word of God. When the Father spoke creation into being, the word that brought life into creation was Jesus himself. God has always created with words. It should be no surprise to you and I that if God is going to use you and I in a powerful way and he's going to bring his life into the world in a powerful way, that he could very likely use our words. It should also be no surprise if we are following the resurrected Jesus who poured out his spirit on the church that he would also give us a power to bring words that would breathe life over people, over ourselves, so that we would be able to live out the calling that he's called us to in the kingdom. Make sense? It shouldn't surprise us, especially given Paul's command that we should eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Now, don't stress out. I'm going to help you all if you're feeling a little suspicious, a little uncertain, a little unclear. Some of you, you're hearing me talk about prophecy, and given your background and where you've come from, you are just plain old, in the words of South African surfers, stoked, You're stoked. You're like, yay, he's talking prophecy. I've been waiting to talk about this. It's making sense. It's made sense of a lot of my life. Thank you, Roger. It's been too long. Glad we're here. These are passages we need to talk about. Some of us are suspicious, possibly rightly so. Maybe the past church that you went to uh, pushed these boundaries too far. Maybe they misused the the gift of prophecy or the word prophecy. And so it became maybe a form of manipulation to get people to do things. Maybe people would say, God says we must. And if the pastor or the person said God says, everybody else goes, yes, sir. Because it became this kind of secondary scripture that everybody had to bow to. Maybe there was a kind of misuse like that. Maybe for some of us, this has probably been my greatest grief. Is that people have prophesied things that will happen, especially in moments of deep pain, saying, This will happen, you will get your healing, and it doesn't happen. I've been so close to people. I'm grateful to know that, or to say that I don't know of many or any people who've done that in the life of our church, but if we have, it's such a dangerous place where we we say, This will happen, you'll get your healing, and it doesn't happen. What do we do when we say, the Lord says, and then the Lord doesn't do? Or at least we said he would. We represented him with some word and it never happened. Maybe that's why you're suspicious. And I understand it, and I empathize with you, and I am sorry that you have had to go through that. But what I would want to say to you today, is that the antidote to misuse is not disuse, it's proper use. And although we have had some pain in our past, I pray and I hope that we together as a church can dig into the Scriptures, can find God's wisdom, so that this gift that can produce so much life through us, in us, and from us into the world would not be left behind because of the improper uses, the misuses. One theologian says, Many of us affirm and pr- who, who affirm and practice spiritual gifts would feel more comfortable among anti-charismatics who are at least grounded in Scripture or at least uh, grounded in Scripture than some flaky charismatics. Some people who affirm the gifts of the Spirit feel more comfortable with anti-charismatics because of all the misuses. And I understand that. And we do not want to be the kind of community who misuse things, who abuse the gifts at the expense of people's lives and their pain. That said, we do not want to pretend Paul didn't say what he said, and that we would go where he calls us to go. And then, so there's, there's a few of us. We've got the stoked, the suspicious, and then we've got the spectating. you just along for the ride. You're going, I don't know yet. I'm interested. I'm going to watch and see, and I'm interested to see what you've got to say. I'm interested to see what the scriptures have to say, and I want to say welcome for the ride. It's cool to have you, and I do hope that you will start to see that God is alive and well, and that there is something called the gift of prophecy, that there is something that God wants to give us, and that, you know what, it's not as spooky and strange and weird as we first thought. And that's something I hope that I will call us into and help us to see today. So why would I do this talk? Well, firstly, we're in the series called The Gift. (laughs) And so I can't ignore it because we're looking at the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then Paul and multiple authors talk about the various gifts of the Spirit. And if I had a long time, we could preach through all the different gifts, of which there are many. But he says, eagerly desire the gifts, especially prophecy. So in some ways, we're obligated. If we are looking at this topic and we're going through the scriptures, we have to face this particular one because Paul tells us to. Secondly, it's a fountainhead gift. It produces a whole bunch of life. And I want us to experience that. I want us to enjoy that sense of life that comes through knowing and following Jesus and experiencing some of the gifts of the Spirit, to experience something of the power of God speaking over us in a kind of logos way, and it becomes a simple, beautiful part of what it means to follow Jesus. Even this week, as I've been looking at the topic, it's been an amazing experience how just in a week, my kind of neural pathways have been freshly rewired to stop finding myself as uh, gravitational towards my phone and more gravitational towards uh, the messages God might be sending to me. Just studying it for a while, and you find yourself freshly aware that, do you know what, there's some cool things that might come here, and I have some uh, issues when I get busy and stressed. I keep checking this because it keeps calling me. And I've had some times over the last week or two where suddenly I've been like, less interested in that. And I've been trying to go, what messaging could you be giving me, God? What could I be missing because of so much of my distraction in this particular space? Acts chapter 2 is the moment where the prophetic uh, kind of power of God is unleashed on the church, and they're getting accused of being uh, drunk and uh, disorderly. That's what people say. And so Peter stands up, and he says this. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning, okay? It's only nine in the morning. So, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, Joel brings a prophecy about what would happen when the Messiah arrives when he does what he said he would do. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. There are some who think that the gifts of the spirit were just for a short little patch, Straight after the beginning of the early church, whereby God would uh, just give the gifts for a generation and then they would cease. But it's pretty hard to make a case for that if you read the scriptures honestly and and, and, uh, factually. Because what you see is Paul writing to a group of people like the Corinthian church who are not a first-generation church. They are a second or third-generation church. They are not the best followers of Jesus. They are out in Corinth, which is one of the most ungodly places in the face of the earth at the time. And these group of people, he says, desire the gifts, especially prophecy. So... Paul's, uh, and, and Peter here is quoting this prophetic promise that when the Spirit is poured out, people will prophesy. And no matter how conservative your views on what men and women should do, the one thing you can be guaranteed of is in the New Testament, God expects that men and women will prophesy. And so did Paul when he writes to the Corinthians. He says everybody will experience or should or can experience this prophetic gift. When he pours out his spirit on all people. Okay, so should we get into some definitions? Because some of you are going, I don't even know what you're talking about. What is prophecy? Hopefully, I've made a case for the fact that it should happen. We can expect it as followers of Jesus. But what is it? A couple of people. Wayne Grudem says most prophecy is human words reporting something that God brings to mind. That's pretty simple, right? Or Mike Bickel, who says the gift of prophecy is a unique way that we hear or communicate a revelation from God. Tracking? Sounds good. Um, some other definitions I think can be quite helpful. Prophecy is bringing the future kingdom reality into the present in a way that says, see that? Let's go. There's something of a person getting a picture of what God is doing in the future and bringing it into the present. You juxtapose that with something like the gift of encouragement, which is maybe something like this. Encouragement is bringing a person into the future. Hey, I realize it's difficult, and I know you're tired, but there's more. Come, let's go. Prophecy is going, do you know where we're going? Do you know what might be happening there? God's helped me to see that, and I want to help you see that. Let's Go. So, encouragement does help. Prophecy, I think, does both. It helps to see or get a glimpse of the future whilst encouraging the person. Here's something that I tend to do when uh, there's no sense of the prophetic, so to speak, is I try to encourage as many people as I can because it's free and available to anyone. In fact, encouragement is a kind of gift. And I would say if you're wanting to fan into flame the gift of prophecy as Paul encourages us, start by going, God, how do I become an encourager? Because encouragement is simply to go, there is a better day for you, and I want to help you get there. And remember, every gift is to edify. It's birthed out of love. Jason, I want to see you move into the future God has for you, and I'm going to encourage you into that. You can be the best husband God could call you to be. I want to stir you up to do that because I love you. And you know what? He loves you more than I do. That's encouragement. But sometimes I might be able to go, Jason, but I, but I, I was praying for you recently, and, and I had a sense that this next season is one of challenge- Fruitfulness and 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 I just want to encourage you that although there are challenges, some of these challenges are going to bear great fruit in your life. That, that becomes a little bit more prophetic, it's, it's encouraging, but but there's a sense of the future, there's a sense of the anticipation of something that might happen. It's not complicated, it's not difficult to imagine, and it's kind of a blurry line between encouragement and prophecy. So There are different kinds of prophets. A guy named Mike Bickel. he talks about three different kind of levels of prophet. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. There's the office of the prophet. The office of the prophet. This is a person who has a track record in regularly prophesying with accuracy about the future. They regularly receive open visions, angelic kind of uh, visitations even potentially. They might hear almost audible voices. I don't know many people. I don't know anyone like this. I've met one guy who I think is close to the office of a prophet but I'm not going to tell you who he is. You're going to be Googling him. But there is one person I know of uh, who now lives in America who's probably close to this. Then there's the prophetic ministry, whereby a person kind of could just regularly receive prophetic words on on a regular basis, occasionally kind of have higher levels of revelation where you know us ordinary followers of Jesus just don't quite see that clearly. We just don't quite have that ability to go, whoa, you saw dates, times, details. I know of people, I've spoken, another buddy of mine, Rogers, told stories of how, you know, he p- closes his laptop, puts it down, and a person comes to him and says, you were writing an email to this person about this thing, and it's going to happen on that date. I want to caution you, God, saying, be careful. Whoa. That's on another level. You can't explain that. That is details that he hadn't told anyone this person gets to see. So those are the Office of the Prophet and Prophetic ministry. I'm not talking about that today. You might have that. That might emerge in your life, but I am not talking about that today. Those are rare. They are irregular. And I don't know anyone very close to my life who experiences that. Today I'm talking about simple prophecy. The prophecy that seems to emerge in the New Testament. you look at a guy like Agabus who gives Paul a kind of picture of, of uh, his hands being tied up. That was probably erring on even slightly more of a ministry uh, gifting um, or, or, or a ministry of prophecy. But, but for most people, I think this is what Paul is heading towards, where he's saying that all of us should experience an ability to sense what God might be doing, and to grow in this gifting to pick up how God might be speaking through us to others for their edification, for their edification. I'm going to say it a lot, because the gift of prophecy that could be given to us is not about us. It's not about making us feel good or look good. It's about helping edify people to encourage them towards what God might have for them. So how do people experience prophecy happening in their lives? Some of you who've been through this, you might know what it feels like in your own life. Uh, Mark Sayers says it like this. He says, it's usually more ordinary than we think, and that's why we often miss it. Often it's an impression or a word or a vision or a picture. It simply just becomes more clear, more colorful, more hard to shake off, more difficult to ignore. That's usually what happens. Just this week, I'm praying for my buddy, George, and suddenly, as I'm thinking about and praying for him, this word, decision, just like pops into my head. Of course, I'm, I'm in the zone where I'm thinking this stuff. It's not usually that my week is so filled with these moments, but this week, I'm thinking about George and this word, decision. So I shove it off the shelf because I've got work to do and life to live, now think about George and this word decision poof, comes back again. Shove it away. I'm trying to work whoever's trying to interrupt my mind. Again, decision comes back. Okay, message the guy. Hey George just to let you know this word decision has come up. George messages back life's busy, can't reply now. So I said, just give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down if I'm onto anything. He goes thumbs up, life's hectic, big decision happening. Okay, thank you. Wow. Okay, there's something going on there. And uh, there's the sense of just words sometimes, or, or images, or scriptures, that although normally your life is, if you imagine your thought life, it's black and white, and you just see it in monotone because it's all flying so fast, and suddenly one of them turns into color. Suddenly one of them becomes pops into 3D, and you find yourself going, I can't just ignore that. And then, over time and with experience, you start to work out, were those God- Or have I just got an overactive mind? The only way to work that out is to practice and to do it under the boundaries of God's wisdom and some really careful guidelines that are given to us in Scripture because it's not a simple one. Many people go, that's just pure subjectiveness. Well, it's hard to ignore when they become fruitful and powerful in edifying and encouraging people. That's the difficulty. And you know what? The Bible does have a whole bunch that is subjective and relational, that coaches us into communities of people who learn to love each other because we are subjective. But We've got to learn how do we bring in the objective words of God and how do we delineate and to distinguish what God may or may not be saying. Is everyone tracking with me? Sort of. I need more from you. I hope that's just the focused... Keys to prophecy. Keys to prophecy. Firstly, they need to be weighed correctly and accurately. Scriptures teach in Thessalonians that we should be making sure that we test whatever prophecies come our way. They need to be weighed. And there's two key ways that you weigh up a a prophecy. First thing that you do is you weigh it against Scripture. If somebody says, you know what, you need to go and do X, Y, and Z, and you look at the Scriptures and you go, there's no one in Scripture who's ever done that. You go, that just can't be. You need to find yourself another wife. Oh, no. That just isn't right. I can't see that. You're you just you're never going to call someone to do something or uh, experience something that the Scriptures don't create as a clear boundary. Also, it's important that prophetic words are weighed together in community with trusted leaders who can actually weigh it up with you and to make sure that it really is God and to help those people who are starting to get prophetic nudgings and understandings to realize, hey, there is a, there's a growing gift here. And there's a growing track record of accuracy and, and effectiveness in this gifting. So we need to make sure they're weighed. But by the way, that, that needs to be done in a light way. We need to be able to laugh at ourselves and laugh with each other and to share them in ways that are honoring and humble. We always avoid the language of, God has told me to tell you. Now we use the kind of language that says, I sense God might be saying, I, had, uh, I think I've had a picture that might be applicable to you. Those kinds of words that we cushion it in humility, because we just don't always know. Then the second thing we need to do is differentiate between data and interpretation. So, There's a big difference. Data is, hey, you got this particular word. Uh, I think I've used this example before. We're praying for our Terran and Julie. They're about to, they've put up their hands and said, we're going to go plant a church out in uh, Constantinburg. Everyone gets around them. We go, yay, this is exciting. We pray for them. We are so excited. I have this word drops into my head, range. Wow. So I go, just to let you all know, this word range has popped into my head. Everyone goes, Cool. Then in my uh, kind of brazenness, I go, and I have, I think, the interpretation. God is going to add a range of people from young to old, all different generations and cultures. He's going to add them to you. Thanks, Rog. I gave both the data and the interpretation. A few weeks later, they're looking for a venue. They drive into the space that's just amazing. They look on the front. What's it called? The range. The range. Interpretation was pap. <laughs> Data was pretty good. They go, this is our space. They make a few negotiations. The place is theirs. They live in that space f- uh, fruitfully for a long time. And they look back at that word and went, this must be God telling us this is the space we needed to fight for. They fought for it, and it was a beautiful space for a long time differentiating, and I would encourage you not to rush to interpretation. Sometimes you just get a sense. You share it. You share it accountably with others. You go, I think this is the picture I'm getting. This is the word I'm sensing, but I'm going to leave it with you and and with a few others to work out what that might mean. Often the person receiving goes, I know exactly what you're meaning. Stop talking. (laughs) I've got it already, but uh, that needs to be worked out together. What are some of the dangers of prophecy? This is important. I've got two more key points, and then we're going to get into a time of singing. But the dangers, one danger is that we use prophecy or prophetic stuff as a kind of manipulation. We use it to manipulate people. We can use words like, uh, God told me, and if God told me, you better listen, and that's very dangerous. And we need to be cautious around the kinds of language we use. We need to sense God might be saying. We need to make sure that when we're saying these things, we're not doing it to get people to do what we would like them to do. This is not about that. This is about helping people to see and savor Jesus and to follow him better and to love him and his word more. I love this story. My buddy, Valdu, he had a prophetic word for me. But he just knew that if he shared it, he would manipulate me. So he wrote it down. And he put it in his journal, and he dated it, and he also took a photo to timestamp it. Then, when I got engaged and to, to be married to Nick's, he came to me and he said, Look at this. I felt like God told me that you were going to marry Nicky wow, you know how cool it is, the day after your engagement, you get a buddy who comes up to you and says, about 10 months ago, I felt like God tell me, this was your wife, and you're going to bear fruit, and you're going to make a difference in the world, and she's the one I have earmarked for you. But, he didn't want to manipulate the process and tell me who to choose and how to choose, he held on to it, and then he shared it afterwards, and what joy came to my heart in that. Sometimes it's about holding on, also, there's the danger of kind of pushing aside the formational work of God. We can get so caught up in the prophetic working of God that we don't actually face the fact that He still wants us to become people of honor, of character, who face our stuff. And so sometimes we use the stuff that God might be saying as a kind of front to say, hey, don't, don't challenge me, God's spoken. And then we we put a a wedge between us and maybe our family or our loved ones. Because we say, God has told me this. You can't get between me and this. And then our hearts can get hard or we become unteachable or unwilling to listen to people. That is a very real danger. Hey, beware the romance and the life decision-making trap. Sometimes we just want prophecy to tell us who we should or shouldn't marry. And that's a dangerous thing. The New Testament knows little to nothing about that. Even decision-making. We can sometimes start to get quite superstitious about uh, kind of God telling us what we should and shouldn't do. 99% of the decisions you and I are going to make are because Jesus gave us very beautiful brains and wonderful community with which we can bounce our difficult ideas and plans off and go, help me, pray with me because I don't know what to do. Sometimes we use prophet, like prophetic inclinations to, say, to defend our decisions. To say, God told me I have to go now. And suddenly no one can get between you and that decision. When actually a little humility on that might be wise. Sound right? Helpful? And then it can become a bit personality centric. We don't want to use the prophetic to become about people. It ought always to be about Jesus. Hey, on Sundays, we should expect God sometimes to speak through the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says, What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be... Everything must be done so that the church may be... The point of all these gifts, to encourage, to, 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 uh, to bring prophetic stuff, is to build people up towards what God has for them. And so we should expect sometimes when we gather, whether it's in prayer meetings, whether it's in life group, that there should be a pers- people arriving with Scripture, people arriving with a sense of God maybe wanting to say something or to encourage someone or to speak into somebody's life. We live in a hyper-consumeristic world that says, I paid my tithe, now I pitch up and that dude better make a good mess. And the guy who leads worship, he better sing and well, because I need something good on my Sunday morning. That's not what Paul teaches here. He says, you all bring something. This is not about you paying your membership fees. This is about the people of God being the body, the community, the me- each member of the body contributing profoundly. Sometimes the most profound contributions are going to come because somebody had a quiet time where a scripture came to life. They shared it with a leader. The leader said, you've got to share that on Sunday. Maybe in the middle of worship, you go, I can't ignore this. You come up to the front. There's always a leader along this row here who's got a microphone who is ready to be interrupted at any time. And you know what questions we will ask ourselves as we listen to whatever you share? We're going to ask these questions. One, is this for now? A beautiful word. Is it for now? Secondly, is this for you or for all of us? We're going to put that through the filter. The, second, the third question we're going is is, is, is this for me to share or is this for you to share? And how should we share it and what would the response be? And you know what? We've got experience and we walk with you to go, maybe you go, I'm too nervous to share it, but, but you, would you share that on my behalf? Hey, we will, but we want to be the kind of church who makes sure that we're bringing something to this Contributing community. I lied. I said I had two. I have three points. This is my last one now. <laughs> Why don't we live in the prophetic? Why don't we live in this prophetic experience? Firstly, I think we overcomplicate it. We overcomplicate it. We think I'm only a swimmer if I can swim to Robben Island. And actually, the invitation is just step onto the first step of the pool. You don't need to swim six and a half Ks to prove you're a swimmer. You don't need to know the the, the outcomes of the next elections to know you're a prophet. You just need to learn to encourage people to read scripture and to open your heart to say, God, could you be using me to encourage someone or some group that would maybe give an inclination of where you might be taking them, of what you might have for them. And so often, it's so simple. It's a case often for me of going, I just can't ignore the fact that this person is just brighter in the room. And often after a meeting, I walk and I watch people. I go, hey, can I pray with you? And many of you know that. I say, come, let's pray. Because something in my heart has just caused your life to just look a little brighter in the eyes of my spirit. And I go, come, let's pray. And it's usually not something fancy, but that is already a prophetic sense. And I go, is there anything I can pray for you for? Sometimes I go, I saw you from far off, and I just wanted to say, hey, God's with you, and he loves you. It's a start. It's an encouragement. Sometimes it's like a tissue box. As you start to pray for that person, you go, I just sense God might be wanting to encourage you at work. And, and any of the discouragements that are coming from other people, God wants to just tell you that he, his words matter more than your, your boss. Whew wow, and suddenly you pull out one tissue and the next one is right there waiting. And sometimes that prophetic happens like that. We're going to have a time just now of praying for people and you'll find that as you pray for people, more emerges. It just becomes more clear. A picture starts to happen. So we sometimes overcomplicate it. We just need to encourage people and and, and ask God to help us to do that. Second thing that stops us is shame. We just think, why me? Who am I, Lord, that I would ever be able to sense some sort of prophetic thing? We think Old Testament prophets, and we go, I'm never going to be an author of Scripture. Good. Scripture's finished being written. You don't need to do that. You just need to encourage some people with a sense of what God might be doing in their life. The same spirit that lived in Paul the Apostle and rose Jesus from the dead and used Billy Graham to reach millions of people is the same spirit that's living in you. There's a chance he could use you. There's a chance today you might walk out of this place and go, I need to say hi to that person. I just need to listen, actually. You're starting to catch the Spirit of God as He works in people. Hey, the other reason is we might just be afraid of making mistakes, afraid of looking silly, afraid of looking like I I risked something and it never worked out. Get over yourself. My best advice I have for you in this one. Get over yourself. John Wimber said, faith is spelt R-I-S-K. Move to some people, love them, listen to them, encourage them with what God puts in your heart, and do it humbly, and you can't go too wrong. Rick Warren said, if others don't use their gifts, you get cheated. And if you don't use your gifts, they get cheated. I think the other biggest reason is that we're just not seeking God. We want to be used in the prophetic, but maybe in our own lives, we're just not seeking God. That's why we need to go back to last week's talk and make sure we're getting in Scripture in a way that we're going, I need to know God. Because when I get to know God, I get to love Him. And His love starts to show me what He loves. And then I start to pick up a prophetic sense of what He's doing in the world. And then finally, we just don't desire it. Paul says you should desire it. If you don't desire it, you might not have it at top of mind. You don't have it top of mind, you might be missing out on what God might want to do through your life because you're just oblivious. You're too busy getting messages here, and you're not enough getting messages from God in and by the Spirit. The band's going to come up, and we're going to do something slightly different after the second song. I'm going to call up anyone who wants to just come and pray. And we're just going to use the space up here in the front. It's the only space we got. If we, We could do it at the back. We could do it at the front. There's no special or more holy space. But anybody who just wants to pray and be prayed for, it's going to be people who are going to come up and they're just going to pray for each other. And the only encouragement I'm going to make for you is that maybe you're not coming up because you've got some specific issue. Maybe you do. You're going, I need prayer for this. Brilliant. Come up. We want to pray with you. Maybe some of us are just hungry for more of God. You're just going, I just want to grow in this gift. I just want to know more of God. Come up, we want to pray with you. And really, whoever is up, we're just going to break into pairs with those around. It's going to be a bunch of leaders up here who are willing and excited to pray with you or with each other. And we're just going to pray. And the one line that I'm going to encourage you to use as you pray is to say, I sense God might be saying." And then just let the sentence finish. It might go as simple as, he loves you and he's with you because it's true. You don't need to make that up. You don't need to fashion that. It's true. But the tissue box might just start to emerge. You might say, but he also wants to know that he's seen your pain and he hears your your cry, whatever it may be. And as that starts to happen, we just want to trust God that a kind of spirit of of the prophetic, of, of the Spirit of God that helps us to bring His kingdom into the present. Let's just start to emerge. If, if you just want to enjoy God right where you are, that is absolutely 100%, but we do want to try today. It's very irregular that we do this, but sometimes we just need to push ourselves out of our comfort zones, to to move into a fresh zone, to say, God, we're trusting you to speak. And so we're going to sing two songs, Enjoy God. The, Final line I want to leave with you. Revelation 19. For it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. We're not here to bear testimony about ourselves or make ourselves feel good or look good. We're here simply to help each other see the love and the mercy and the beauty of Jesus. Let's stand.